Ask Wildman. The weekly show from full-service digital agency Wildman Web Solutions is ready to answer all of your questions about marketing, tech, and sales to grow your small business. Each week, the Wildman Web Solutions team tackles your questions and trending topics live. Learn strategies and tactics to take your small business to big revenue. The Ask Wildman show starts now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ask Wildman. My name is Miles Bassett, CEO and founder of Wildman Web Solutions. Um, we are here to answer any and all questions you have about business, technology, marketing, or anything else you want to talk about. Uh, so if you have any questions, go ahead and throw them in the comments below um, or email us at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. Let's see. With me today, I've got my partner, Mike Hanna. Mike, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic, Miles, but I'll get better. How are you today, sir? I'm doing good. I'm ready to get going. All right. Let's have some fun. <laughs> All right. So like I said, this is a Q&A show. So please, um, if you have any questions about anything, go ahead, throw those in the comments or um, shoot us an email and we'll try to get to you. But we're going to start off with a couple of email questions over here. Um, so it looks like we've had a couple of people uh, just getting going online. They're starting to set up their online presence. Um, they're setting up maybe a website for the first time, and we're getting a lot of questions about how to buy domains, uh, where to go, what you should be looking for. It seems like kind of a simple thing until you actually get in there and do it. Um, and then there's a couple of common stumbling blocks that I've seen over the last couple of weeks. Um, so first of all, um, where to go. Um, if you have a GoDaddy account or um, I don't know, SiteGround or any kind of other hosting uh, type company, typically they sell domains. Um, so you can absolutely get something there. Um, it doesn't really matter where you get it from as long as you have access to it. Um, different providers are going to allow you to access different kinds of settings and it's going to be easier or harder to get to different kinds of settings. Um, so that's kind of be going to be the only difference here. Domains are super cheap no matter where you go. Um, I mean, we're talking 12 bucks a year or something like that. Um, it'll be price dependent on how competitive it is and how many people who uh, are going to want it. So if you pick a really basic domain like coffee.com, then that's one, probably already taken. And two, if it's not already taken, it's going to be wildly expensive. If you have a normal one, say wildmanweb.com, like our website, um, then yeah, it's probably going to cost you 12, maybe 15 bucks uh, per year. And there is usually an annual contract. Um, I usually recommend going to Google Domains. That's domains.google.com, I believe. Um, they give you a free SSL certificate uh, with every domain. Um, it's The settings are really easy to get to. It's easy to share access with web developers like myself. So it's always nice and easy to work with clients on, on platforms like SSL that. Um, let's see. Past that, we have actually picking the name itself. Um, there's a couple of rules I like to say for, for picking your domain name. Uh, keep it simple. Um, make it something you can say to someone and you don't have to explain how to spell it. 
So if there's the word for in there, um, you would have to say, you know, it's F-O-R, F-O-U-R, or the number four, something like that. Avoid those kinds of words if possible. If you say it, they should know how to write it out. Um, with that being said, um, if you have a really difficult to spell name or something, then maybe try to find a, a way around that. Um, maybe if you have a really long, very difficult last name, then don't use your last name in the domain. Um, you'd want to make it simple, easy to remember, and easy to spell. Um, don't want to include a lot of weird characters or there's no punctuation or anything that you can put in there. And that brings up another problem. Always read through your domain as if it's one long word, because as soon as you uh, remove capital letters and punctuation marks and spaces, you can break up that string of characters into multiple words. Um, so the, the classic joke is a there's an office supply store called Penn Island. They get penisland.com. Um, if you rearrange, if you look at that a little bit differently, you can spell something very different and can look very inappropriate. So you want to be very careful about um, how your domain can be read in different ways. Uh, so to avoid that, I suggest just showing it to a couple of people to begin with, trying it out with a couple of friends, family members, say it, see how it sounds, uh, just give it a test run that way before buying it. But ultimately, these things are cheap. So if you have a good domain idea, go ahead and buy it. Um, I think that's kind of it on my domain stuff. Didn't want to get into any of the real technical questions. Um, if you have any trouble with your DNS settings or something like that, maybe we can go into that in a different episode. Uh, Mike, did you have anything to add to uh, the domain discussion? Not necessarily, Miles. Um, maybe do you want to explain the the whole www dot thing though. Okay. Uh, because yeah. maybe you know, maybe that could help people uh, in terms of how they're supposed to you know tag themselves or I'm thinking mm -hmm. uh, menus you know logos posters those kind of things you know what's the most of or if I'm uh, just talking I guess you know what's what's the most efficient way to to give somebody out a website these days and why. Yeah, so um, the www prefix used to be really important. Uh, it's kind of moved away from that. Um, most people don't really use it. Most browsers know how to handle it. Most domains are automatically configured to not really worry about it. So, um, you know, if you go to www.wildmanweb.com or if you go to wildmanweb.com, it's going to take you to the latter rather than the former. That's the default. Um, no one really says it anymore in conversation. Um, so, I mean, it's still there technically, uh, but it's it's definitely not verbally said at any point, um, and it's not typically something you really have to worry about anymore with with buying new domains. Um, depending on your domain settings and who you buy it from and uh, what's going on there, you may um, you may have to like hit an extra setting or something in order to set up your default direction to, to go to one or the other, uh, but it's, it's not a huge thing. But to add to that, there's one more um, bit at the beginning that people ask about, and that's HTTP versus HTTPS. Um, that just means that a website has a SSL certificate on it. Um, you can back up a couple of episodes. I went over what an SSL is. 
how to get that certification that process um, it's absolutely it's it's pretty much a must nowadays um, and depending on where you're getting your hosting and your domain services from um, you'll either have to pay a little bit extra have that or maybe it comes free like I said Google domains come with a free SSL and everything um, but that's the only difference there HTTP or HTTPS um, and that's another one where browsers typically know how to go to the right one um, but you might have a couple more technical settings on your domain to uh, point it to the right one make sure that people are going to the HTTPS secured version of the site rather than the unsecured one okay I think that's it on on domains we can move on past that okay um, so back to the beginning here uh, again this is ask wildman if you're just tuning tuning in as a weekly show we're coming on here um, every Wednesday at 11 to answer your questions about technology and business marketing um, so you can put your email or you can put your questions in the comments or email us like the crawler says at the bottom at askwildman at wildmanweb.com and we'll get to your questions <laughs> Peter hello I believe I might have just gotten to your question so um, yeah same day and time every week Wednesdays at 11 11 ish sometimes 11 ish sometimes Mike is a little late like he was today we're, we're, we're shooting for that 11 <laughs> time slot so yes, we'll see we're, we're trying hard all right let's move over to let's do a question for you Mike Okay. Let's see. Is there a way to see my competition's ads on Facebook? Oh, that's a good question. There is a way. Um, two different ways, actually. I'll just I'll give you the, um, I guess this is probably the easiest way. Uh, but there's something called Ads Library, and Facebook uh, put this in at some point last year. I forget. Uh, but it's been there for a little while now. Uh, but I don't think a lot of people know about it. Uh, yeah, this is a way that you can check uh, your own page or any other public page out there. So, uh, yeah, I could definitely see how people would be wanting to use this to check in on their competition. Uh, I, I check in on clients' competition with this all the time. Uh, basically, what you do is you go to that business's page and you scroll down the right-hand side to where it says Page Transparency. You're going to click on that. Uh, that's going to open up a, a section that's going to tell you who owns the page, uh, you know, where the managers are, you know, what, what location they're in, what country they're in, et cetera, et cetera. Scroll down to the very bottom, and you're going to see something that says, is, is this page running ads, I think it says. And it's either going to say, yes, this page is currently running ads, or no, this page is not currently running ads. Uh, if it says, yes, it is, there'll be a little blue uh, button over to the right, I believe, of that that says ads library. You're going to click on that and boom, there you go. It's going to show you every single uh, ad. You can go back, I believe 90 days it is, every single ad that is currently running. You can't see stuff that has been uh, already ran and no longer published, but you can't see anything currently out there. Uh, so that's a great thing to do. Uh, also a great way to get ideas uh, for some of your own ads, perhaps, 
You know, if there's a, if you're a small business and there's a big company that you look up to, you want to emulate, well, go and see what they're doing. Even if they're not quote unquote, uh, your competition, maybe you can get some ideas that way. But, uh, certainly, yeah, if you're wanting to know what your competition is up to, at least on Facebook, that information is widely available. You can also just go to the ads library section on Facebook and type in any business name and it should pop up if they have a public Facebook page. Awesome. Oh, well, we've got another com uh, question coming up in the comments here. Hello again, Jeff. Uh, systems for finding good hashtags, what social platforms to use them on? Um, I know, I'll probably let you take that mostly, Mike. Uh, I know that there are a couple of tools out there for finding popular hashtags, if that's what you're looking for, if you want to try to jump on a bandwagon of what everyone's talking about. Uh, easiest way to go is to go to Twitter itself, obviously, and look at uh, trending hashtags. And if there's something relevant to you or your business there, you can jump on and uh, talk about that and use that hashtag in order to join the conversation. Um, there's also, um, what's it called? Trend, uh, trends map uh, that you can check. Trendsmap.com, I think, um, is just looking. I think they look at multiple social sites too in order to see what is is trending across different platforms. There's different searches and filters there that you can see and kind of narrow down into maybe something a little bit more applicable than uh, applicable to you outside of just Twitter's top trending. Uh, there's a couple of other paid ones out there. Um, see as far as what platforms to use them on twitter is obviously the big one i know we had talked about hashtags a little bit a few weeks ago on this show where you know facebook doesn't really use hashtags in the same way it doesn't necessarily hurt you to throw hashtags out there they look cool but it's not going to have the same functionality as say twitter or instagram or something mike do you want to jump in on that uh yeah uh, yeah I, I agree with what you said about finding them for sure um what social platforms to use them on? Let me jump in, I guess, on that. Uh, I think in a, in addition to, of course, Twitter, uh, Instagram is arguably the biggest uh, user of, of hashtags. And I think that that's probably a way to, I think maybe Miles mentioned this, uh, you know, go into the platform itself. And that could be a great way to find hashtags. Um, but LinkedIn is one that maybe people don't think about for hashtags, uh, but that is, is very, very searchable for hashtags. And so that's one that I would think about. And yeah, you know, the, we could debate endlessly on Facebook. I'm sure other people have other opinions about it. To me, it's not a, a platform that hashtags are really you know, that searchable on, that people use them for that manner. So to me, it's more of just an aesthetic uh, thing when you use a hashtag in a post rather than actually trying to get found. Uh, but certainly LinkedIn, uh, there's great organic reach on that platform. As we've talked about before, if anybody's in B2B, uh, I would be researching uh, uh, relative hashtags and see what other people are doing. And then I would be using them on that and Instagram, especially uh, as well as the aforementioned Twitter. Now, Miles, here's something that just popped in my head, maybe a good thing for people to do. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, because <laughs> I... I'm wrong at least a couple times a day and I haven't been yet today. So I'm due. Uh, I believe this is part of the free toolkit uh, that we have for, for local small businesses right now. But uh, you know, there's ways we, we have a program. There's other programs out there 
where basically you can see what other people are talking about in terms of keywords on different social platforms in different geographical areas. So it's a it's a really simple tool to use. What you literally do is you just type in uh, a category, a keyword, or you can search it by region. You can search Lawrence, Kansas, and see what people are saying about restaurants or see what people are saying about real estate. Uh, and then pick out your own keywords from those conversations. If you see a whole lot of people using a certain word, well, then, then go into a platform and see if the, that hashtag is also trending, uh, especially in your area. Uh, because, there, you know, there's, there's, of course, hashtags trending nationally, but then there could be certain hashtags that are just trending locally. And if you're a small local business, actually, those are probably the ones that you want to be uh, nailed, nailed, nailed down even more and using even more than the ones that are trending nationally. So, Miles, is that correct? Is that it? That's in the online toolkit, correct? Right. Yeah, it's part of our uh, social marketing tool. It's meant for managing different uh, social media profiles, all from a single dashboard. So you can plug in your Facebook account and your Twitter and your Google and Instagram or whatever, all from um, and, and look at data across all of those platforms on a single dashboard. Gives you analytics on all of it, lets you post all of them. And then the functionality you were talking about there um, is social listening. So the idea is you can set up kind of automated searches for particular keywords or sets of keywords um, in a particular area. So you can set, you know, within 25 miles of you, um, find people tweeting about X um, or talking about Y. Uh, it will send you notifications when it catches someone doing that and you can jump into the conversation right there. So, you know, if you're a restaurant downtown, you set this up for, anyone tweeting about being hungry within five miles of me. Uh, someone tweets that out, you jump in immediately, respond and say, hey, come on down to whoever you are. Uh, so right. that can be a really fun way to engage with people um, without necessarily jumping in on the hashtag bandwagon or something, but a, a good way to jump into more organic conversations rather sure. than leveraging yeah hashtags to jump into much larger public conversations but you can absolutely use it that way as well right right yeah the, the platform is not meant to be a hashtag finder <laughs> uh, i just find it as a as a useful thing uh to, to yeah, you use it however you want yeah to, <laughs> to understand you know exactly what's been going on uh, especially in local areas in terms of phrases or terms that people are using yeah yeah that's good all right. Um, so before we move on to the next question, we'll um, throw in a shameless plug here and ask for everyone who's watching. Um, we do this show as a resource for the Lawrence community, for uh, the Kansas community at large, trying to be a, a place for education for everyone, uh, for businesses wanting to get online or expand their online presence or leverage what they have online maybe a little bit more effectively. Um, so. You can help us by liking this, sharing this, getting this out to your audience. We want to reach as many people as possible. Um, so, you know, please spread the word that we're doing this every Wednesday at 11. Um, we've got an event, a uh, recurring event. Please check in and RSVP, say you're going to that. Um, you know, we just want to get this to as many people as possible and be as, as useful as a resource to as many people as possible. So you can help us out that way. 
moving on, we're going to do another email question here, and we'll jump back into the comments here in a moment. If you have any questions, throw them in the comments or email us at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. Um, let's see, we've got a couple of questions about website security. I've uh, gotten a couple of hackers, malware questions, that kind of thing over the last couple of weeks, so I want to spend a little time on it. Um, generally, web security is a very daunting thing for, especially for small business owners who want to get going, get their website up. Um, they're always scared they're going to get hacked or you know something is going to happen here, um, and that is a very relevant concern. You definitely want to take care of that um, up front as best you can, um, and that starts with the domain and hosting purchasing. So if you're at the very beginning, uh, starting from scratch, um, Domain isn't really all that important, but if they give you the option to um, hide your private information, you know, you spend an extra five bucks and it won't list your personal information out there. That could include phone number, email, um, address, or at least general location um, that people will use to market to you. Uh, so that's not necessarily hackers or anything, but that's just, you know, you getting spammed a lot. Um, on hosting, though, you can you can get really, really expensive hosting that's super fast, super secure, comes with all the bells and whistles in the world, or you can get super cheap economy hosting um, and anywhere in between. Uh, so I would definitely recommend going a little bit higher than the cheapest thing you can possibly find because that absolutely does affect security. Um, from the mid-range to the top tier there, you're really more gonna get more added features, better performance. Uh, but the security isn't going to be you know, that much different. Um, but the real cheap ones, those definitely have some security issues. Um, you're going to be on shared server space. Um, and if they don't have things absolutely set up just right, then you're really putting yourself at risk for all sorts of different problems. Um, so get something at least a little bit above the bottom of the barrel there. Um, on websites themselves, it kind of depends on what platform you build on. If you have a higher-end custom-built website um, that's most likely built by a professional developer or an agency, um, and they will have to build in whatever security measures are, are necessary, and that differs whether you're talking about a, uh, a .NET web application or a Laravel site. Um, hopefully they, they know what they're doing there, um, and they'll walk you through all of your options. If you have more of a DIY website, say uh, Wix, Weebly, Squarespace, something like that, um, part of the benefit there is that security is mostly managed for you um, as long as you are using the platform how you're supposed to be using it and you're not trying to turn it upside down or, or break it in some way, then most likely you're going to be fine there. Um, I would avoid putting your email and phone number and everything in plain text on your website, um, if at all possible, uh, because crawlers can pull that information and, again, just spam you like crazy. Um, if you get the option on any and all contact forms, you, know, you can use that instead of just putting your email up there. Put a contact form that'll shoot to your email. But on contact forms, use some sort of security. Um, Google reCAPTCHA is really the go-to as far as uh, website form security. Um, you may need some help on getting that set up with, with that, but um, if you need that, then call your local web agency and they'll help you out with that, um, or there are a lot of resources. I think we have an article up on it as well on our website. Okay. Um, finally, WordPress. That's a huge one, super popular. 
And because of that, it has some security issues. There are so many people out there using it that there's obviously a lot of people who would like to break into it. So there's a constant battle of people going back and forth, developers creating new plugins and improvements for different themes, um, and hackers trying to break into those themes and plugins and WordPress versions. Um, so the best thing that you can do is stay up to date on your updates. Um, that's updates for WordPress versioning, updates for your plugins, updates for your themes. Um, if you log into your dashboard and you see that little red circle of an update, go ahead and take care of that um, because it's it's entirely possible that what they're doing there with that update is, is a security patch for um, some hacker has found a way into it and is now you know, selling access to anyone who doesn't have that update on their website. So try to stay on top of that as much as possible. Um, and, and you should be fine. As far as updates go, go from top to bottom. So the smallest thing to the biggest thing. Start with your little plugins, um, then do theme updates, and then move into if there's a giant you know, WordPress versioning update, do that last. Um, finally, always take backups. Anyone, any platform that you have, always have a backup of your website because no matter what you do or how good a security you have, there's always a possibility that something will happen. Um, so have that emergency plan in place, have a backup of your site, know how to get it up there or who to contact in order to get your site back up. That will minimize your site downtime um, if, God forbid, something does happen. So those are my tips on website security, uh, hackers, malware. Um, if you want me to go into more depth, that's another one we could really talk about for a long time. So uh, let us know in the comments or shoot us an email, askwildman at wildmanweb.com. Uh, looks like we have a, another comment question here. From Mr. Fry. From Mr. Fry, oh, yeah. yeah. Percent of time on social for educating folks, entertaining, and selling. That's a good question. That is a good question. Okay. Um, well, Jeff, you know, we I think we I mentioned this the other day, but you know, th this kind of goes back to what we were talking about maybe a few weeks ago, where you want to be providing way more value, you know, than than you're ever asking for in return. Is there a an exact percentage that we can put on that not necessarily you know you, you got to really i guess know your audience uh, but i do have a couple thoughts uh, just generally about this you know uh, we always want to be either educating entertaining or informing people even when we're selling to them you know people don't like to buy anything but they love or people don't like to sell any be sold but they love to buy stuff right so we want to make it sure that when we are selling them that we're not just hitting them over the head, but we're also providing some value in that ask. Uh, but just to back up for a second, you know, I think that we got to say at least 75% of the time we're just providing value, you know? So if we're going to talk ballpark numbers, 75% of the time, you should not be trying to sell something to your audience. Uh, you should be educating, informing or entertaining them. Uh, but when we do ask them to buy something, let's get creative with that too. You know, let's not just say, Hey, initial here, sign here. Uh, but let's come up with some sort of a good way to ask them. So a great way to ask them is to get little yeses along the way. You know, there's a, you know, a lot of ways that we can ask somebody to buy something implicitly 
without asking them to actually spend any money. You know, like, do you, you like this? Would you use that? Which feature do you like the best? You know, these are all things that we can either be uh, conversing with them one-on-one -on -one or put into our content uh, that's a, in a non-salesy way that kind of leads up to, to that big ask. Uh, but and here's just a couple, I guess, copywriting tips or content writing tips um, for how to go about the non-sales stuff, especially, is we never want to say anything that could be easily followed with, well, I'd hope so, or duh. And that, that may seem like kind of like, well, yeah, why would we do that? But the next time you're watching TV or you tune on the radio or you're scrolling on Facebook and you see advertisements, actually stop and listen to them and listen to what they're saying to you. And I guarantee you that the vast majority of them are just really blabbing at you and everything they tell you could be followed up with, well, I'd hope so, or duh, uh, you know. We've been open since 1947. We take care of our customer. You know, we take pride in our work. You know, you know all the cliches, right? Uh, try to remove all of that from your speaking when you're speaking with clients and certainly in your content and in your copywriting when you're putting uh, stuff out there to your audience. Uh, and the other thing that we really want to avoid, which nobody does, <laughs> is making unsubstantiated claims. You know, don't say we're the best or, you know, we do something so well or so great and then not have a third party that can validate that claim or not show somebody exactly what that means to them so they can validate it for ourselves. Uh, when we're doing those kind of things, we're really just kind of wasting uh, uh, airspace, if you will, and we're just kind of blabbing at our audience. And so we're not we're not entertaining. We're not informing and we're certainly not educating anybody. And so that's going to make it harder when we do go in for that sale. Uh, and so I think that that's, that's something that maybe a lot, a lot of people miss as they're saying, hey, Mike, I'm, I'm putting out all this content. I'm, I'm not asking them for the sale. I'm, I'm trying to build a rapport, but my sales aren't going well. And then I'll actually look at what they're saying. And what they're saying is just the same canned, unsubstantiated, well, I died, hope so, uh, crap content that they were doing before. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's an area where I find people really struggle with. So get outside the box a little bit and start thinking of what could I actually say to somebody that they're not going to know about that, and, and they're going to care about. Um, and, and it's hard, you know, it's going to take some time, uh, but it's worth it when you're able to write copy or create content that actually resonates with somebody and they create, they come across uh, or they come away from that interaction, knowing you better and liking you and trusting you better. Uh, and if we can get those kind of interactions to happen, well, then when we do go in for the sale, whether it's 10%, 20% or 50% of the time, uh, we're going to have a much more better prepared audience to receive that, that's that sale uh, ask, if you will. So, Long about way of actually not answering your question. Sorry, Jeff, I don't, I don't have a specific percentage to give you, but uh, all in all, be giving a lot more than you're asking. Uh, and I think two to one, three to one, four to one uh, is a safe, a safe area to be in. Yeah, so hopefully we got some good 
information in there, even though there isn't just a flat answer. Unfortunately, that is how a lot of these uh, questions go. We can give some tips on what to look at, but it's it's all very industry specific. There's not really just a one size fits all yes or no answer for everyone on everything. Uh, but if you have any questions, we'll do our best to answer them. Throw them in the comments, email us at askwildman at wildmanwhat.com. Um, and like I said, help us reach some other people. So if you can like this, share this video. We're on here every week, Wednesdays at 11, try and answer your questions. So um, you know, please help us reach uh, a broader audience so we can help more people out. Um, I want to move into a little bit of a news category here. Um, there was a little bit of an update. Someone had asked me a few days ago, um, and I realized that we hadn't really put out anything on this, but um, Google reviews are coming back on. If you weren't aware, um, Google had temporarily disabled their business review function for the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, what it had happened was there was a lot of businesses getting a bunch of terrible reviews um, or, or false reviews uh, because you know they had to be closed uh, due to the pandemic um, and people were complaining that they were closed even though they were legally required to be closed um, or maybe they were partially open or trying to you know still operate and someone didn't like that they were trying to operate um, so google decided to temporarily suspend their review functions those are now coming back piece by piece you may have started to see some of your new reviews coming in. Um, so they're they're um, enabling those by category and by industry slowly, piece by piece. Um, and uh, those are for new reviews coming in, by the way. It is still unclear uh, what's going to happen with any reviews that came in during the temporary shutoff. Um, I've been kind of hearing things on both sides of that. So I don't want to jump in with my answer on that just yet, but we'll definitely try to put out some um, some more information on that. But in other news, I know Facebook has just made a couple of announcements on their platform, some new stuff coming out. Um, I know we haven't gotten the time to really dive into all of the new stuff that they're doing here, but Mike, did you want to speak to uh, some of the new Facebook functionality that they're they're pushing out here now? Sure. Yeah, I can. I'll do a skim the surface uh, on it, and then yeah, we should, maybe we should do a whole show on this uh, here here in a couple of weeks. Uh, but just one other point too, before we get into Facebook on Google, uh, another thing right now is, I mean, all the time, make sure that your Google My Business listings are up to date. But especially right now, especially if you're a restaurant or retail store, because if they are up to date, Google is doing a fantastic job. Uh, keeping up to date with who's, you know, if their dining room's open, if it's just carry out, if they're closed altogether. Uh, and a lot of people are looking at that stuff right now to figure out, hey, can I go in and eat at this restaurant or da 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 da. So if they're not getting that information from you, boop, they're just hightailing it over to your comp competition. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Facebook is uh, a couple weeks ago, and I don't think have we talked about this at all on the show. I don't think we have. Uh, they, they made several announcements, uh, what was it maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and then they made another one, uh, this week. And so quickly, uh, what they're doing is they're, they've made an update to, uh, messenger and, uh, there's going to be a lot more live interaction on messenger. They've come out with a new, uh, uh, chat room, you know, type of a feature where it's basically, you can create your own messenger room. 
and these can be public or private. And you can invite certain people to your room or if you're a business and you just want to keep it open to everybody or something like that. Uh, if you're just a real friendly guy or gal and you want everybody to be uh, you know, popping in and saying hi to you, you can have it open and anybody can join your room as well. Uh, but I think that there's some opportunities there for people to get creative uh, in their marketing and the way that they're engaging with their clients and their, their consumers, their audience uh, through that. And then a huge uh, renovation, certainly for anybody who's in the live event space uh, or anybody who's been taking advantage of Facebook Live is that there's now a new platform called Online Events Live. And basically what this is, is kind of a combination between Facebook Live and Facebook Events. And the big haha to do is that you can now uh, charge a ticket, so to speak, in order to have somebody access your live stream. You can put a paywall up. Uh, you can make it private. You can do it invite only, or you can still have it publicly broadcasted on your page. Uh, but either way, you can put a paywall up. So if somebody is doing uh, a conference or if they're hosting a live event, or let's say you're a financial planner and one of your big, um, you know, not only ways to get clients, but also a source of a revenue stream was doing seminars and workshops and things like that. And you wanted to charge somebody in order to attend it. Well, now you can do that virtually. Uh, and of course, you know, with, with COVID-19 concerns, this, you know, allows us to uh, create social distancing. But from a business perspective, it also, you know, just going back to that financial planner uh, example, I can now expand this offering to literally the entire country, hell, the entire world, whoever is able to log into Facebook can now be my prospect in order to get them into this live event uh, and, and again, charge them for it, which was, which was the big kicker here. So certainly this adds or opens up a whole lot of opportunity uh, for people. And I'm hoping that small businesses are going to uh, take advantage of it. And we're certainly hoping to work with a lot of our clients in a, in a way that they can take advantage of it as well. Uh, and then the other big one just got dropped this week. Uh, is Facebook shops. And, you know, I think everybody kind of knew that this was coming at some point and everybody was like, what is Zucks doing with this whole currency thing? <laughs> you know, the Libra, you know, well, I think some of the pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together, right? Um, basically, this is an in-platform e-commerce store, you know, uh, to, you know, just take it at, at, at surface level again. Uh, where the advantage here is that somebody is going to be able to go into your inventory and purchase something directly without ever leaving Facebook. And boom, it's all right there. Um, you know, you're going to have to set up, you know, your, your online store on Facebook, uh, but they don't charge you to do that. Uh, yes, you're going to have to, you know, reconcile that somehow with, you know, your other ways that you're doing business, whether it's a, a, a in-person retail POS or your online store. Uh, so there, you know, there's going to be some kinks, I think, in order to work this out, but certainly you got to see this as an opportunity and an advantage uh, for the little guy and gal and the small business owners out there. Now, a word of caution, and, you know, again, I, I think we'll do a whole deep dive into this uh, in the near future, Miles, but, you know, we've always cautioned people to not be solely reliant on a platform whether that's Facebook or anything else, you know, and we're platform agnostic, you know, we don't, 
we don't get paid by any of these platforms. Uh, we pay them a lot of money, as, as a matter of fact. Uh, no, no, nor do we own any, you know, substantial stock or ownership in any of these platforms. So we, we don't believe it, and we just believe in whatever, whichever one is working best that day. That's the one we're going to put our money into. So uh, what I'm getting at is things always change, and things do change. And you don't want to build your house on rented land. You want to build your house on something that you own. And for all intents and purposes, that is your website and to a lesser extent, your email list when we're talking about digital properties that you may own themselves. Uh, Facebook can change all the rules tomorrow. So just because they're not, you set up the store and they're not charging you today. Well, we all remember when 100% of our people that followed our page could also reach, you know, we could reach them for free, right? And that, that went away. So I'm just, you know, well, I want people to explore this and I want people to ultimately use it and I want to help people use it. I also want to throw a little word of caution that no, this doesn't make, you know, your e-commerce store and your website obsolete. Or, you know, I saw people saying yesterday, oh, Shopify, you know, is going to crash and go out of business. You know, no, it, it's not going to totally replace that. If anything, I think it's maybe they're uh, throwing a little shade at Amazon. You know, and, and they're trying to be a, a piece to this puzzle and not a, a wholesale, you know, replacement of, of Shopify or e-commerce, you know, stores in general uh, that would be on somebody's website. Um, you still, no matter what platform you're using, if it's Facebook or anything else, you want to be taking that audience and putting it towards your website, putting it towards your email list, putting it something towards that you control, that you own, uh, and using the platforms themselves as a leverage point to grow your audience and then eventually transition that audience into something that you can fully control. Uh, so that's just my word of caution. This is not going to replace uh, e-commerce or having your own e-commerce store or the importance of your website, but it's going to be another tool in the tool chest uh, for small business owners that hopefully they'll take advantage of. Yeah, and I already saw looking through some of the documentation, at least on the Facebook store, they have a lot of integrations and ways to work with um, existing e-commerce platforms. Um, so I, I didn't see anything specifically on Shopify, but I'm sure there's something there. They, they are uh, working on an API integration uh, yeah. for Shopify. Yeah, that's going to be rolling out. Yeah, so just to, to harp on that last point, uh, yeah, uh, website control is always important. It's very useful for us to work on platforms like Facebook, but we're limited to what they let us do versus, you know, on a website. And if you let loose a web developer on a good web developer on your website, then they can control everything. Every pixel on that page mm -hmm. uh, is yours to do with, with uh, what you want. So, and, and, and since you brought that up, I'll just drive the point home even more is that, you know, that's something that I don't think a lot of people even realize about Shopify. Uh, true. Yeah. Shopify, you know, somebody like Miles, as talented and brilliant as he is, <laughs> he, you know, and what he can do for a website, when he goes to a platform like Shopify, he's extremely limited into what he's able to do in order to optimize that store, in order to optimize that website for SEO and other things. Those are big, bulky platforms that are one size fits all. And so even that is not a replacement for somebody who's really serious about driving e-commerce sales. You gotta you gotta have it on your own platform that you control, which is which is your own website. Okay, I think we've we've beaten that one to death. <laughs> I think so. Uh, <laughs> I think we've got one more question in the comments here from Jeff um, asking about Facebook videos. Uh, 
it's a little general there. So if you want to throw in a couple of specifics, um, well, we'll I, say a I, couple I, of. Oh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Miles. Oh, I was just going to say a couple of things we've said in the past or the last couple of weeks. Um, videos are great on Facebook. They, uh, they, they're going to get you seen more than just plain text, more than image. The algorithms really love um, videos. And that's not just Facebook. All platforms are loving videos. Search engines are liking videos. If you have a good video, put it on the homepage of your website. They love that stuff. Um, Utilize live video as much as possible. That's just a step above videos as far as that algorithm hierarchy goes. They do love to see that. Um, and don't worry about making your videos perfect. This doesn't have to be cinematic quality. Get your phone out. Um, you know, obviously get the best picture you can, the best audio you can, but you know, don't, don't sit there and worry too much about making it all perfect before publishing something out. And it's better to get some real good quality content out, engage with your audience, than to you know, spend all the time, money, and sanity on trying to make your uh, Facebook Live show look like a Hollywood picture. Those are my, yeah. my big tips on video in general. Uh, Mike, you want to jump in? Those are all great points. Uh, yes, before I address Jeff's question there about Facebook videos, though, I forgot to mention uh, something really cool in the Facebook mm -hmm. shops that I wanted to bring about. Uh, and that is that they're going to have this uh, available with Facebook Live as well. So you can be doing a Facebook Live, having direct interaction with your customers, and then they can click on a button right there in Facebook Live and order out of your inventory. I think that is going to be a huge game changer for people, uh, especially small business owners, to get that immediate feedback. I mean, it's like, it's like you're sitting there right there, right there in your store and you can sell to them. Ooh, that, that's a game changer. So if you haven't been doing Facebook Live and that's something that you think that you would be you know, able to take advantage of is selling directly to your customer right there in a Facebook Live stream, well, today, start doing Facebook Live. Start getting you know, the kinks worked out, so to speak. Start getting better at it. So when, when you're able to integrate your shop completely, you can be doing this. I mean, this is going to be better than having your own home shopping network. You know, I mean, and Miles doesn't probably watch the Home Shopping Network as much as I do because I just love, nope. I just love selling. Uh, so it's fun to me. But, you know, they can have, they can have comments and stuff like that and call, you know, they'll have callers call in and they're selling people right there on the phone. Well, shit, this is what we're going to, this is what every small business in America is going to be able to do now. Uh, and to me, that just gets me excited. Okay. We're, we're going to, yeah. Facebook shopping network. Just, that's exactly just, right. Exactly. So that's exactly what's going to have happen. So, uh, the old, the old good old boy sales salesman in me, uh, that, that just perks me <laughs> up and wants me to have another cup of coffee and go sell some stuff on a Facebook live. That that's, I'm gonna have to open up a shop just to, sell, just to sell something on this Facebook live thing, Miles. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Facebook video. Yes. Um, yeah. So Miles made some great points there. And I would also just kind of reiterate the points that I was making before about copy uh, and about, you know, talking to your audience in, in, a, in a way that is meaningful to them. Um, and, but I'll, and I'll give you some specific tactics here just in terms of the video. But um, yeah, you know, don't use unsubstantiated claims you know, really try to reverse engineer what is my customer's need and what are they actually buying this product or service for? And I always use the uh, picture frame metaphor 
for this example when I'm trying to get this across. You know, if I'm going to sell somebody a picture frame, well, I'm not going to talk to them about the quality of wood and you know, it was sourced from you know bamboo and you know ethnically in the heart of the Amazon and da 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 da. da. You know, I'm not going to go that route. I'm not going to say this. My family has been making picture frames since 1947 in the heart of downtown Lawrence, right? Nobody is going to care by the picture frames about that. And I'm not just going to say all picture frames are 50% off. Why is somebody buying a picture frame? They're buying a picture frame to see probably their loved one, right? Probably somebody they really care about or an event or some sort of picture that means to something incredible to them. And they're wanting a place that they can easily place it that they can see and have that memory and have that feeling again and again and again, right? So that's what I'm going to make my ad about. I want to make my ad about them their and their uh, nephew's first t-ball game and the first hit that their nephew got, and they got the perfect picture of it, and then they put it in the frame, and they put it on their desk, and that's what they see every single day when they go into the office, and it makes them so happy and proud that they're, they were there for their nephew's first t-ball hit right? That's going to resonate with somebody. That's going to mean something to somebody. That's something that somebody's going to like, know, and trust you more than they did before they saw it. So that is, that's what I mean by reverse engineer. Why is somebody buying something? And I would actually like, you know, role play with your business partner, you know, Hey, you be the customer and I'll, and then switch and I'll be the customer and figure out why is somebody actually going to buy us? What are they going to do with it? What is it going to mean to them? And then that's what you want to talk about. Okay, let's get into uh, a couple of tactical things. Jeff asked about length. Um, for Facebook video, generally 30 seconds to three minutes is the honey hole. You know, really that one minute to three minute uh, uh, time frame. And I actually we had a client ask me this question just the other day. And so I'll, I'll answer it probably the same way I answered it to him. But I don't want you to be concerned about the time frame as much as what am I saying? How meaningful is that? And how impactful is that to my end consumer or audience? Uh, because what I don't want to have happen is somebody said, oh, well, Mike, Mike said that a minute to three minutes was the best. And so now you're out there trying to make a, you know, a two minute video when all you really have is 30 seconds of something impactful to say. And the rest of it is just crap. I don't want that. I don't want you to do that. It's much better at that point to just do the 25 seconds or whatever you have that's impactful. Uh, but I will say this, the first three seconds are the most important. And then the first five seconds and then the first seven seconds and so on from there. Really three second increments after that first three seconds. Why is that important? Because most people, they don't watch a video unless something hooks them within the three, first three to seven seconds. Once you kind of get past the 10, 20 30 second mark, then it's just really about keeping them there. Okay. You got their interest they're in. Now you just want to keep it rolling, but that's also why you don't want to just make it long for the sake of it being long because you're going to lose people. Um, so front load it, have a hook, have something that they're immediately going to get out of it, or that's going to be entertaining, insightful, informative, or educational. Uh, and then after that, you can play with it a little bit. You can kind of, you know, build up, you know, do some storytelling, things like that, which are super important. Uh, but you want to make sure that that first three to seven seconds, there's something immediately that is going to, uh, they're, they're going to notice that they're going to get something out of this, right? What's our most valuable resource that everybody has? Time. 
what's the thing that we can never get anything more back of time, right? So that's the ultimate sale is getting somebody to give you their time. Um, so that's, that's my kind of just, you know, little hack right there. Uh, if you will, is, um, give something to them up front. The other thing, you know, going back to my old school advertising training days, uh, we used to have this saying, uh, called surprise the broca. And the broca is the part of your brain that it keeps things in order and it keeps memories in place of like how stuff is supposed to be. So if I go into a bedroom or, you know, somewhere I always go into and everything's out of place, well, it's going to surprise my broker. My broker's going to go, what the heck, right? It's going to be like, what, where did everything go? So that's a way that you can gain somebody's attention really quick is if you give them something unexpected in that first three to seven seconds that kind of shocks and surprises the broker. And then the broker wants to put everything back together, right? So it's going to, so then they're naturally kind of drawn in. Now, you can get really silly and cheesy with this, you know, surprise the broker idea. And I'd be lying if I didn't say some of my, in my previous career. So maybe some of my commercials, you know, that I wrote did, did trend in that direction. I'm not saying you have to get cheesy, nor would I recommend that you get cheesy when you're trying to or be silly, you know, when you're trying to surprise the broker. It could be simply is, is stating something matter, matter of factly, but the content of it is something that they wouldn't expect to, to hear. So uh, that's a that's another little hack uh, right there. Surprise the broker and give them some sort of value within the first three to seven seconds. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, other than that, uh, good copy points in the top of the video is something I don't see a lot of people do. And I'm not sure why. Uh, but, you know, as people are scrolling, I would take, you know, let's say you make that two or three minute video go back and you watch it and you pick out five really great things that were informative or something that somebody was going to get value out of. I would take those five things and I'm just throwing five out there as a random number and put them in bullet points at the top of, of my uh, live video. So if somebody's scrolling by again, maybe they don't even get to the video part of it yet, but that second thing of the bullet point, Oh, wow, that's something I'm interested in. And maybe that's, the last 30 seconds of the video, but now they're going to sit and they're going to watch the whole two minute thing because that was something that they were interested in. Uh, and always, and here's the other thing too, and this just goes for copywriting in general uh, on Facebook, always put the most important things that you think is going to bring the most value in the first three lines of the text. Because when somebody's scrolling on mobile, a lot of times after the first three lines, especially if there's a picture in it, they're going to get the see more button and they're going to have to click on it. They're going to have to engage, which is obviously a lesser amount than people that just scroll and look uh, in order to see the rest. So always put your most valuable information in the first three lines. Uh, and that's something that I would do on all my videos is take my, my most important bullet points, whether it be three, five, seven, you know, you don't have to write a novel and put them up there as well. Tag, uh, tagging is really important. Tag anything that, you know, if you mention a, a product or a service or somebody else, tag them. Uh, in it. And uh, yeah, I don't know, Jeff, uh, live video, you know, like, I think we talked about that once before, but that would be the next step that I would say, uh, once you get uh, your video making process down, jump into live with both feet, uh, because that's going to work even better as, as Miles was saying at the top of this with the algorithm. So yeah, that's what I got for you. Awesome. 
Well, that was a uh, good thing to go out on, I think. We're coming up on an hour here, so I think we're going to wrap this one up. Thank you for everyone who uh, tuned in today. Um, like I've been saying through here, uh, this is Ask Wildman. If you're just jumping here at the very begin or at the very end, um, we are here to answer your questions about business, about marketing, about technology, anything you want to ask us. Uh, that's that's what we're here for. Uh, we're here every Wednesday at 11, doing this on Facebook Live. So join in. Um, and if you find this content helpful, please help us to reach more people by liking and sharing these videos and getting more people engaged, more people um, joining us here on Ask Wildman. But thanks, Mike. I'll see you yeah. next week. Thanks, Miles. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to Ask Wildman. Send us a question for next week's show at askwildman at wildmanweb.com.